Welcome to my podcast, Just Being Elena. This is the third episode. Today, I will be talking about a very personal uh, journey, story of mine, um, and it is about my son. Um, it will be about what is Red Syndrome and what is Fox G1 Syndrome. So stay tuned. So what is Red Syndrome and Fox G1 Syndrome? So Red Syndrome is basically a syndrome that happens only exclusively in females. Um, of course, there is some um, boys or males that have Red Syndrome, um, but those usually um, pass away when they're two years old. Uh, Red syndrome is a mutation on the X chromosome on a gene called MECP2. Fox G1 syndrome is what my son had. And Fox G1 syndrome is very, very, very similar to Red syndrome. The only difference is that in Red syndrome, uh, there is um, some type of... Um, normal development that does not occur in Fox G1 syndrome. It will be confusing for some, um, but my son, he had a normal development and they told me at first that he had Red syndrome, but when they did more studies, it came out that he had a mutation on the Fox G1 uh, gene. And so that is um, the diagnosis that they gave me later on. So how did it start for my son? <clears throat> so he was about, I believe, seven months old when he had his first seizure. Um, his first seizure was not a very strong seizure. And it went out throughout maybe part of the morning. I didn't know what was going on. I was just, I just thought he was very lethargic. Um, and he, and I didn't, I didn't know what it was. I was 17 years old. So uh, I went to Walmart and I just thought it was weird that he kept doing this thing with his foot, with his leg, um, and with his eye and his sound with his tongue uh, therefore I decided to call my dad and so my dad uh, and my mom they had um, another son before me uh, he was the firstborn and he had seizures just like my son did um, my brother passed away when he was nine months old um, and so he told me it was a seizure uh, so I went immediately to my parents' house because I didn't know what else to do. Um, and then we called the ambulance and they took him to the hospital. Thank God um, that his full-blown seizure happened at the hospital. Because I wouldn't have known what to do. And it would have scared me so much more. Um, when that seizure happened... I remember that I I didn't cry. I didn't overreact. Um, I just moved away so the doctors could do whatever they had to do. So they started um, 
given him medicines to stop the seizure. And it lasted about, I think, three or four minutes. I don't really remember anymore, but it, it was bad. It was really bad. Um, from there, they decided that I should take him to the children's memorial, I believe. And so... And so we went there. Um, and after that, nothing was the same. He had a normal de- he had a normal development um, from when he was born all the way up until he was about seven months old. Um, he used to stung he used to st- to stick his tongue out, um, and he used to do noises and babble. And after the seizure happened, he Degressed. He didn't do anything that he was doing when, before the seizure. That to me was kind of difficult. Um, but I was young, so I didn't quite fully understand, or I probably did understand, but I didn't really, I didn't have the maturity to just take it all in. I guess. Now that I look back, more mature, um, things like this, it kind of makes me think about, wow, like I went through all of that, you know, because not everybody, um, and I don't want to toot my own horn here, but not everybody's very strong to do that, or not everybody thinks that they're strong until they're in that situation, so... So it progressed into him not doing, not sticking out his tongue and doing noises, um, and not lifting his head up anymore when I carried him, um, and he just didn't hold on to things. He would just move, and he couldn't even sit down by himself. Um, and I we started to get. Uh, neurosurgeon, not neurosurgeon, was it? No, neurologist. Um, And then a lot of therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. None of that helped. None of that helped at all. Like the therapies didn't help at all. Um, He would go maybe twice, three times a week and we would um, work with him at home, sitting him up, doing things like that. Um, It didn't help. Uh, his first neurologist wasn't really a children's neurologist. Um, I don't know why is it that he was seeing him. So after a while, when I took him to another hospital, uh, there was this neurologist. And I really, really would like to thank him now that I look back because he was the neurologist that helped stop all his seizures. He um, found the perfect combination of medicines um, to make all these seizures stop. Of course, he would have some here and there whenever, um, whenever the I guess the ratio of the medicine didn't equal his body weight or something. Um, so then I w- would take him back um, to the doctor, and then he would adjust the medications, and and it would be all good again. Uh, I remember his first name was Edward. Um, and so I love that doctor. He, he made, he made a lot of progress with the seizures. 
Um, another point that I want to make is what was the most difficult things um, during this time of my life? And I want to say that it was first watching him lose his abilities. So it was really hard for me at first. Um, I didn't quite understand it. But I feel like I had my mom um, who went through the same, almost the same thing um, as I was going through. And so she was the one that really supported me and knew how probably how I felt. Um, so it was it was hard lose, watching him that he progressed. And then all of a sudden he couldn't do any of those things. And I really didn't question it back then because I just never had kids. So it was my first child. So I didn't know any better. Um. But yes, that was one of the things. Um, another thing was um, finding good doctors. That was very difficult because I remember that his um, his primary doctor at first uh, didn't treat any special kids, didn't treat any special children with disabilities or with syndromes. He only specialized in normal kids. So there was this one time when I took him and he started talking to me and saying, you know what, I'm, I just don't specialize in this, so I'm going to have to refer you to another doctor. Um, and I was very happy that he did that because we were able to find more help, um, more support um, with other doctors that specialized in children's with disabilities and syndromes um and so that made it a whole lot easier because I remember that um we didn't have the good doc the the good doctor that knew about all those things that goes along with having special children um and so I used to have to carry my son a lot or I used to have to um get a a a stroller and having to pick him up a lot <laughs> because he would slide down um and so once we got the support that we needed and I say we because my mom wasn't it with me she always helped I was a single mom and we were able to get a good stroller for him that supported him and we were able to get like a um a special thing to sit him uh we're able to get i think uh, as well as a stander so he could stand up for a little bit of time here and there um, so we were able to get a lot of equipment that we didn't get at the beginning because we didn't have the doctors that knew how to handle the special children's situations um another um, difficult thing was when I learned that he had lost his ability to eat. So there was this one time when we went to the hospital um, because he got, I believe, pneumonia. Um, and it was because he was having fluids and liquids. Um, I mean, fluids, <laughs> sorry, going down his, down to his lungs. 
And so they did a swallowing test and they found out that he couldn't swallow. And he um, actually kind of choked and it would go the wrong way. Uh, so therefore, um, to get him the nutrition that he needed, they had to do, they had to put in a G-tube, a feeding tube. And to me, that was kind of like, kind of scary um, because I had never gone through any of that. Um, and I was terrified that it would come out. Um, so they put the G-tube and I remember that we were at the hospital. A lot of people came um, to see him. And I remember that I was just, I didn't know what to do. They they showed me how to connect um, the G-tube with the machine and how to put it, what rate and all of that. And I got it down. But I was just so terrified that the G-tube would come out because, or that he would pull it because he actually would pull things um, sometimes. And so there was this only one time that it happened and we were in therapy and it came out. And at that moment, the only thing in my mind was put it back in so he doesn't have to have surgery again to put it in again. So what I did was that um, now I don't remember how I did it, but back then I knew how to do it. So I got it done. The nurse from the therapy center came. Uh, she heard, uh, she put the stethoscope um, in the belly and she was like, you did a good job, mama. So that was um, the thing with the fitting tube. After that, I felt very, very, very confident that if it happened again, I knew what to do because I didn't want him to suffer anymore. So the doctors told me that if I didn't put it right back in again, they would have to do surgery again. And I didn't want to put him through that. So therefore, I was like, I have to do it. And I did. Um, another hard thing was that months before he passed away, uh, it was going to be his fifth birthday. And I think that year we were going to enroll him in school. I was terrified. I was so scared of him going to school because I was scared that people or the kids would bully him. Um and my my son, he was he would always smile, he would laugh. Um he gave me so much joy that I just couldn't imagine him going to school and getting bullied or or kids looking at him weird because he's different. And I just couldn't. I, I, back then, I was like, what am I going to do? Like, if something like that happens, it's going to break my heart. And I believe a lot of people that may be listening to this that have kids, um, they go through this with normal kids being bullied just because they're somewhat different. Um, and it was just very scary to me that he wouldn't be able to defend himself if there was this big bully. Um, and that was hard. That was very, very hard. Um, another difficult thing was coming to terms that he was going to be a baby forever. And this is quote unquote, um, what a doctor told me. And the doctor that told me this 
told me uh, maybe two or three days before he passed away. And it was it was a comment that I had already I already knew that I already knew that he was not going to get better that he would probably pass away um, because he couldn't walk or even sit down by himself or even eat by himself um, he and the other option um, that they were looking at was a trachea he got very sick that last hospitalization and they told me that either we let him pass away or we had to take very aggressive measures and I just didn't want to put him into more stress on his body or um, more pain I didn't want him to get proted um, and just with needles and stuff because he had gone through a lot already um when you have a special child it's not only going and getting his vaccines you go every month um to the doctor to the specialists and sometimes they will always not sometimes but they will always do blood tests they would always um do some kind of measure to see how they're doing. And I just didn't want that anymore. I, I didn't want him to suffer anymore. So um, we had this discussion whenever he closed his eyes um, and he never opened them again. Before he passed away, he actually smiled at me. Um this was maybe like two or three days before he passed away. Um, so he was laughing with me um, for a little bit. And then he went to sleep. And the next day he never woke up. Um, and so, yes, that's the story of my son and how red slash Fox G1 syndrome affected him. And I just wanted to bring light to what it is uh, to have a special children or a special child um, and bring light to these syndromes that are really not heard enough um, and that are they kind of They kind of make it very difficult to live by. And I just hope that this podcast gives light, a little bit of light um, to these syndromes. They're very real and they're very difficult to go through as the child and as well as the parents. It's a lot of stress, a lot of um, worries. If having a normal child is very worrisome having a special one having one that has a syndrome is 10 20 30 times more stressful and more worrisome 
And so I hope that this brings a little bit of light to how it is to have a special child. And I just want to end by saying that it isn't always, it is difficult, but it isn't always sadness or or anger as to why it happened to your son or daughter. So lifelong lessons that I learned was to accept death as part of life. I think I accepted death before um, he passed away because I knew that it may happen. So I started accepting the fact that maybe he wasn't going to be here when he was when he was 10 years old or 12 years old. I figured that he wouldn't be here anymore. But I didn't believe that it was going to be when he was four, about to turn five. So it was very, it was kind of difficult. Um, It showed me patience because through it all, I had to have patience with everything. With finding doctors, finding the help we needed, patience with everything. Um, another thing is nothing is permanent. We're here temporary. Our children are here temporary. So it's our parents are here temporarily. So it's very important to um, hug everyone you love because you never know. You really never know. And the last thing that I want to say in this podcast is that he showed me that love, you don't, you don't need to say anything to show someone that you love. He showed me love quietly um, in his laughs, the way that I used to hug him, the way that he used to kind of hug me when I would carry him. And just still love the look in his eyes and the trust that he had on me was was beautiful. Thank you for listening to my third episode on Just Being Elena. And I really want to thank anybody who listens to this episode. I know it may be a sad one. However, though, I also find joy in this part of my life. Because it was part of who I am. That journey that I went through with my son made me a stronger person. And it made me a more patient person. And it definitely made me um, more humble. And more forgiving as well. And thank you very much for listening. And I'll be back with more episodes next week.